This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on navigating CFIUS risks with business intelligence, a podcast series sponsored by K2 Intelligence Financial Integrity Network. In this podcast series, I visit with Him Das and David Holly to discuss the risks involved in the Committee on Foreign Investments in the U.S. and how best navigate them. David Holly, a co-lead of the CFIUS Advisory Practice at K2 Financial Intelligence Integrity Network, has more than 25 years of global investigations, business intelligence, corporate governance, and regulatory compliance consulting experience. He draws on decades of private sector experience to provide pragmatic advice that integrates his investigative skill set and financial expertise with cutting-edge technology. MDAS has over 15 years of strategic experience in crafting innovative legal and policy solutions to domestic and global challenges involving critical U.S. economic and national security assets. He assists and supports all aspects of K2 Intelligence FIN's work, including risk assessments, training, and the development of and review of new services, products, platforms, and technologies. In this podcast series, we will take a look at an overview of CFIUS, then consider navigating the CFIUS process by proactive engagement and compliance solutions. Consider CFIUS sanctions and export control compliance frameworks, CFIUS and cyber risk and access control, and conclude with effective monitoring and compliance officer solutions for CFIUS. This series is one that I know you will enjoy. It is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network and once again sponsored by the K2 Intelligence Financial Integrity Network. In this episode, David Holloway joins me to discuss CFIUS, cyber risk, and access control. So David, if I could start with the following question, is it just cybersecurities which fall under CFIUS or how does CFIUS weigh this particular risk around cyber risk and access control? It's a really good question and and one that you know, him and I have talked about together. Um, as you may know, him had served previously um, as a chief security officer in connection with a entity undergoing CFIUS review um, because of a lack of focus and attention on cyber. So it, it really is a an important area. It's an area that um, the CFIUS committee is really looking at um, intensely. So. Basically, there are a number of ways in which cyber, cybersecurity, and cyber risk are implicated within a transaction uh, that has potential national security concerns. And when we think of cyber risk in the context of CFIUS, we, we think of it uh, in a few ways. Um, the first is how the transaction may affect the U.S.'s capability and capacity to meet its national security requirements, uh, including any reduction in U.S. Uh, person employment uh, with the critical cyber skills and the continued U.S. production of goods necessary to safeguard our national security. The second way uh, cyber sort of comes into the mix is the extent to which the transaction may expose sensitive U.S. citizen data, um, and we talked about this prior, to exploitation by foreign entities and governments. And finally, when we think of cyber, we think of uh, whether the tr- transaction exacerbates cybersecurity vulnerabilities uh, or allows a foreign government to gain new capabilities to engage in uh, malicious cyber activities or cyber mischief against the United States. 
And if it's helpful, um, I can provide a, a few examples of sort of what we're talking about and how, how this might all come into play. That would be great, Dave. So um, a foreign investment in a firm that safeguards critical U.S. cybersecurity systems, such as defense or communications or other critical infrastructure, would most definitely or seemingly draw enhanced CFIUS security scrutiny. In such cases, it would be paramount to understand the identities of the potential investors, their track records of compliance with U.S. laws, the identities of their other clients or JV or, or other business partners, and the processes and procedures they have in place for maintaining confidentiality, segregating client information, and other cybersecurity safeguards. Another example would be transactions that involve critical technologies or components of critical technologies, and the ability of the foreign investor to gain access to that or other material non-public technical information. And this, again, would also most certainly raise, you know, CFIUS concerns in the context of being able to limit uh, U.S. access to the same information, thereby preventing the U.S. from maintaining its competitive advantage in a particular market um, and, ma and maintaining the confidentiality and sanctity of its intellectual property. And we saw this in a few uh, transactions that had been scrutinized in the past few years, including uh, Qualcomm. So in this instance, foreign investors may be able to leverage their investment to gain access to sensitive information about, for example, cyber defense systems or to introduce algorithms or software to gain access to U.S. sensitive technology. And then in the case of critical infrastructure, such as power plants, cell phone towers, or research hospitals, there are obvious concerns of the, over the ability of foreign investors to misuse the knowledge gained from their investment to introduce cyber threats to those entities and compromise a component of U.S. national security. And then lastly, uh, transactions that involve potential access to volumes of U.S. personal data will continue to, do, to draw CFIUS scrutiny over the concerns of the ability of investors to divide, divert data for malicious purposes or in ways that threaten U.S. national security. And we actually see a heightened fear um, around this aspect um, of our national security and sort of our, our, our interest to protect national security in proposed legislation uh, that's before Congress now to place a one-year ban on the procurement of certain goods that are manufactured by entities owned by groups outside of the United States uh, until further research is completed about the manufacturer's abilities to collect sensitive data about U.S. residents, and in particular, uh, government officials and military officers and military personnel um, until there's more information about how these goods are able to collect this data um, from common everyday products that are placed in commerce. Dave, what steps can companies, investors, or others really take to mitigate this in the initial process? It's a very good question. And, and again, it's one of these areas where I think 
uh, everyday deal folks might be a little surprised as to how rigorous uh, the scrutiny is. Um, so as, as part of the due diligence of a transaction, uh, we, we suggest that uh, cyber risk assessments are undertaken to understand the risks and controls in place to prevent a cybersecurity breach as K2 broadly defines it. And that is whether that be some kind of a hack, uh, a malicious insider, uh, or some other loss, even without bad intent, organization, organization should be prepared to demonstrate measures in place to confidentially, confidentially maintain proprietary information, trade secrets, confidential information, and personally identifiable information. In addition to the cyber risk assessment, um, organizations should consider whether their cybersecurity plans are current and robust. So beyond the assessment, we, we, we presume that all organizations have, have some form of a cybersecurity plan, um, and we're looking to understand whether the plan addresses known vulnerabilities in the acquirer's networks, uh, the steps planned to prevent cyber attackers from exploiting them, uh, to impair the target's services, networks, systems, storage, and even physical securities and in turn to potentially damage critical infrastructure and harm our national security. We also seek to understand whether the plan addresses known vulnerabilities in the targets network, including those that may have been exploited previously and remediated in the past five years. So what we're really hoping to understand is to the extent that there was a breach or was a compromise in the targets network, what has the organization done to uh, prop itself up to learn from its, you know, whether it's errors or carelessness or unfortunate, you know, circumstances. Is there a plan in place to prevent the occurrence again and have, have lessons been learned as far as resources and, and, and focus on cyber risk? Another area is, is understanding where, what the combined network infrastructure will look like. So we have an acquirer and we have a target. Does the cybersecurity plan anticipate ways in which the acquirer will connect to the target's networks? And what does that system uh, look like? What is the data storage going to look like? Um, how will the networks interact? Uh, and what, you know, what types of vulnerabilities come out of that combination? For certain organizations, a, a cybersecurity plan would look to see whether the identities of uh, clients, such as federal agencies, U.S. military organizations, uh, with whom the target has contracts, um, have, have those relationships been mapped so that we fully understand, um, as far as um, the target goes, when the foreign investor comes in, what, what are those critical relationships um, that get close to um, federal government or our national security, how is that being dealt with and what does that look like? Um, likewise, not just for sort of federal contracts, federal agencies and military organizations, but does the target have uh, contracts or relationships with critical infrastructure enterprises? And so we would want to, we would want to see a cybersecurity plan that contemplates those relationships once a foreign investor is involved. Um, 
And CFIUS really wants to understand um, the, the degree to which these cyber risks have been thought of in advance, uh, and not only thought of in advance as uh, an individual entity, whether that's the foreign investor or the target, but what does what does the contemplated uh, combined entity, their cybersecurity plan, what does that look like? David, I wanted to maybe pick up on your point about critical infrastructure and how that can crystallize uh, at least smoothing through this process and change the focus a little bit to ongoing compliance framework and how that might help to catalyze continued success both uh, in the initial stages of your CFIUS journey, but actually throughout the process and if you have to actually go forward with additional oversight. Can you give some thoughts around that issue? Sure, sure. And that's a, that's a very interesting question and, and you know, frequently I think one that um, isn't always raised at the appropriate time. I think it, a lot of times it, these types of considerations are, are when the transaction is well underway. So when we talk about a cybersecurity compliance framework, we're looking to understand the systems by which the organization directs and controls security governance, um, dictates the accountability framework, uh, and provides oversight to ensure that risks are ad adequately mitigated and while management uh, ensures that controls are implemented to mitigate risks. So in that context, there are five areas generally that, that, that challenge most organizations. Um, the first would be cybersecurity strategy and goals. And that requires some planning uh, to understand how cybersecurity risks relate to critical business operations. What are the strategic goals for the organization? Um, have we identified all the cybersecurity needs and developed objectives uh, and applied KPI to determine resources, risk appetite, and other things? So a lot of planning, a lot of, a lot of planning goes into sort of developing a cybersecurity strategy and goals. Now, the next part of the framework would be standardized processes. And what we mean by that is we like to see established, repeatable processes um, as it relates to cybersecurity so that there's some predictability in response, um, predictability in uh, accommodating um, challenges that the cybersecurity uh, network might face. Having a repeatable process provides predictability and also allows for understanding how people within the organization responsible for cyber risk will, will respond to a, a, uh, a crisis or a breach or something, and it will become not rote in a negative way, but familiar in a positive way so that, so that there aren't always one-off solutions or, or attempts to solve a, a problem or a crisis when there need not be. Uh, enforcement and accountability um, we like to see measurable processes in place to enforce security, cybersecurity requirements and, uh, you know, accountability in terms of addressing uh, negative behaviors and accountability certainly in, in reinforcing positive behaviors. Uh, like m many of the things you've talked about in your podcast over the years, Tom, senior leadership and oversight is critical as sort of the fourth area that frequently challenges organizations. So 
you know, you've talked many times in, in other podcasts about the tone of the top and buy-in from the highest ranks and, and top to bottom, bottom up. Uh, it's no different when it comes really to addressing cybersecurity risks here. And lastly, um, this would be no surprise, uh, ensuring that the enterprise has the proper resources, uh, whether that's uh, software, whether that's hardware, whether that's the application of training, uh, ensuring that there are proper resources is another critical challenge. And we see that, and you've seen that, of course, in, in many different compliance areas, financial institutions, anti-barber anti-corruption. Uh, understanding the resource needs and, and, and getting the resources is, well, I, I think will challenge compliance forever. In the context of CFIUS, where the committee may find gaps, holes, or frankly, complete misses, they may require that the transaction undergo remediation efforts, including the installation of a chief security officer, which, as I mentioned, uh, my colleague, my K2 Finn colleague, Kim Das, had, had served as, to really manage the day-to-day cyber or other security requirements of the target organization. Frequently, a, a monitor is installed, uh, as Tim talked about previously, to oversee and report on the progress of implementing required security overhauls in the defense, in the event of any deficiencies and, and really other, there are several other, uh, remedial measures. Well, David, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I hope our listeners will join us tomorrow for our concluding episode where we take a look at effective monitoring and compliance officer solutions for CFIUS. Uh, David, this is my last episode with you in this five-part series. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I'm looking forward to visiting with you down the road. Thank you so much, and, and again, thank you for uh, you know helping uh, the, the deal makers and deal doers address this uh, this really important issue. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of our five-part series on navigating CFIUS risks with business intelligence. I hope you will join us again for another episode. This five-part series, sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn, is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.